Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing a new oral suspension form of an epilepsy drug and the FDA approving a new treatment for vitiligo. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at Xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a really interesting story about something called pink sauce. And if you've been on social media in the last few days, weeks, you might have seen pink sauce trending at some point. So I'm just going to deep dive into what pink sauce is and everything that you need to know about this very controversial condiment. So pink sauce was created um, by a woman who goes by Chef Pie on TikTok. I'll tell you her real name a little bit later. And it's gone viral for pretty much all the wrong reasons. So she's known for her bright Pepto-Bismol colored condiment, which reportedly features ingredients like dragon fruit, raw honey, and pink Himalayan sea salt. Um, Chef Pie has been riding a wave of success on TikTok for some time, with many users being really interested in the novelty of this sauce since they've never really seen anything else like it. But over the last few weeks, she's faced numerous questions about pink sauce's ingredients, packaging, and marketing, uh, which has prompted a social media-based food scandal. And this is following the recall of Starbucks's chicken sandwich from its menu. So pink sauce has also come under fire for a plethora of possible health and safety issues. So the Miami-based chef, whose real name is Veronica Shaw, started promoting pink sauce on TikTok last month. And the mystery surrounding the sauce's flavor, which has been likened to ranch dressing, really piqued the interest of those who saw clips of Shaw drizzling it over chicken tenders. So on the 1st of July, pink sauce officially launched on its website at a whopping $20 per bottle. And it's around the size of a a classic uh, ketchup bottle, so that's quite a high price. And shortly after that, the controversy ensued. So concerns arose when TikTok users noticed an inconsistency in the product's color. In some videos, the sauce had a vibrant pink color, which is something that it got a lot of attention for, while in others it had more of a pastel pink hue. As for the flavor, many reviewers had trouble placing the exact flavor of it, and one user claimed that it tasted like sweet ranch, but also took issue with the watery consistency of the product. But such critiques were actually mild in comparison to a review posted by a creator named Sean, who questioned the details of Pink Sauce's label. So he showed the bottle label that seemed to indicate that it contains 444 servings of the product at 60 calories per serving of about one tablespoon, which would be a mathematical impossibility. Sean also pointed out that the label had various misprints, including the misspelling of the word vinegar, and that the nutritional details are not readily available on the website, which is something that should be a a common sense for any food entrepreneur to include, um, and it, you know, possibly falls short of U.S. Food and Drug Administration packaging standards. So from there, further skepticism surrounding pink sauce began to mount, and one creator had purchased a bottle of pink sauce 
claimed that not only was the product improperly packaged, but that it smelled rotten upon arrival and barely contained the advertised amount of pink sauce. Several other customers said they received leaking bottles of the rotten-smelling sauce in the mail, with approximately 50 packages being impacted. And then others pointed out that although Shaw listed milk as one of the ingredients in pink sauce, the label didn't feature any directions regarding refrigeration, nor does the product label appear to include any preservatives to prevent spoilage, as would be expected for most dressings. So Shaw clarified that the sauce should be refrigerated after opening, but insisted that the product had been quality tested. So this is where it gets kind of funny um, in terms of the FDA. So Shaw was recently fielding some questions live on TikTok. So people were asking her questions and she was answering them. And someone asked her whether pink sauce was FDA approved. And her response consisted of, what do you mean FDA approved? I don't sell medical products. And she continued by saying, the pink sauce is not a medical product. Pink sauce don't contribute to your health. So this ignorant response prompted further criticism, mainly about Shaw being unaware that the F in FDA stands for food. And the FDA even has a how to start a food business website, which states that any agents, uh, which states that the agency regulates all foods and food ingredients introduced into or offered for the sale in interstate commerce. So while a food manufacturer doesn't necessarily have to get all of its products FDA approved, the agency reminds everyone that if you are thinking about opening a food business, there are many regulatory requirements that you will need to meet. For example, there are record keeping and labeling requirements which indicate that a food business must maintain proper records that the FDA or other regulatory agencies may request to see at any time. And then in addition to FDA requirements, food businesses must also follow any other federal, federal, state, and local requirements that apply, and all of which are in place to protect the consumer's health. So in the case of pink sauce, consumers banded together to call out a very naive business owner for the sake of others, for the sake of other consumers' health. And, you know, time will tell whether the business will survive amid the controversy. But I thought this story was too interesting and controversial <laughs> not to cover. Um, and we'd spoken about this before. But, you know, now that you, um, you know, we, we got a little bit more in depth, what do you think about it being so easy to, seemingly easy, to start a food business, um, you know, in the age of, of social media? And um, do you think it was great what, because uh, I think it was great what consumers did uh, to sort of band together and, and call her out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, when you were, you know, going through the story and I was just like, oh, you know, you know, misspelled, you know, ingredient names and then the wrong number of servings and all of that. And then it's like, oh, could this get any worse? And then you birth then the FDA controversy thing. And it's just like, oh man, it's just what a disaster all around. And, um, you know, pertaining to your first question, yes, you know, I think it is way too easy now in the era of social media, especially for people to come out with any kind of a food product um, without having knowledge or recognition of the, the guidelines and regulations that need to go behind it. And um, it's very, very dangerous. I mean, some of these people have, you know, millions of followers. Um, I think, you know, Veronica Shaw in this case is is one of them. And it's like um, you have so many people following individuals like these. And um, but then at the same time, you know, the public, you know, 
isn't stupid, I guess, right? The audiences are paying attention. So even though she has all of these followers, they're not blindly following these influencers and social media gurus and whatnot because they called her out. And that was great to see that people are paying attention. Um, but again, going back to, you know, the FDA and how it regulates food products, um, I'm not sure if, if it's as, it doesn't seem as stringent as it is for drugs, right? Um, you know, the drug, the drug approval process is, is very rigorous and you have to submit applications, new drug applications, NDAs and BLAs. And, um, but for food, I don't know, you know, there, it seems like a lot of products fall into a weird abyss or a, a gap where they don't need to go through the regulatory process. I'm not sure, Sydney, like, is that how it works? Or um, does every product have to go through a regulatory pro process and people are just bypassing it? So I'm actually just on the FDA's website, their How mm -hmm. to Start a Food Business uh, page. And some examples of food businesses that aren't regulated by the FDA are um, retail food establishments. So grocery stores, restaurants, cafeterias, food trucks, because um, those mm. are regulated by state and local governments. And then um. the only other one that they mention are farmers markets. So I'm going to assume that outside of that, that the FDA still does regulate all food and food ingredients. Um, right. And I would imagine some Somewhere on this page, um, you know, there are, uh, you know, things to fill out. Um, mm -hmm. they, they state if you're opening a food business, many regulatory requirements, some of those requirements apply to all food businesses and some are specific to particular food products such as low acid canned food, seafood, or juice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if it's as stringent and there are some exceptions, whereas I feel like with, with the drug approval process, there kind of are no exceptions, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting to bring up though, because, you know, we all have to eat and food in, in a sense, yeah, can so be it's, just as important for your health um, as, as drugs. Um, but I feel like one is just viewed as a little more detrimental. And, and it, I agree that it probably should go through a more rigorous process. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it is kind of scary, though, that almost anyone can start a food business. And then yeah. it's up to, in this case, it was just up to like consumers to call it out um, for being dangerous. I think she just improperly approached the situation and I don't think she took the steps necessary that she had to to uh, uh, actually start selling the product, obviously, because anyone would have called her out on those things before, um, you know, before she started selling the product, even a second person, like just reviewing yeah. everything. These mistakes Spell are so check. careless. I mean, I, exactly. You're putting this product out for... Uh, to sell and it's what twenty dollars a bottle like that's a pretty steep price for something mm -hmm. that tastes apparently like like ranch dressing dressed up as pepto bismol I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I mean there might be people who want to try this um, you know with like all the food trends out there and stuff but yeah I don't know and you know for someone again in that position with so many followers so many eyes you know on her like to not you know at least get somebody else or just to look over things yourself and it, it's just mind-boggling but I think it's just this era of social media where it's just kind of like everything's not everything that's that's wrong for me to say but a lot of things are done on the fly and on the go and you know it's all about fast media fast-paced uh, things the next trend right 
So um, I I think she just got caught up in that. And um, yeah, it didn't end too well for her. (laughs) No, no. But I'm going to make a prediction and say that Mm -hmm. it's not... It's not over for her. I feel oh. like, I don't know. I feel like she's going to bounce back. And you know what they say, like, all press is good press. Oh, um, boy. Even though, yeah. even though in this case, it, it certainly isn't. Is yeah, yeah. But I feel like people's curiosity has just been really, like, piqued by this whole situation. Um, and I don't know. I feel like people sometimes use controversy point. to, like, just even further their brand or... You know, and it may not be pink sauce. It might be something else. Something but else. Yeah. She wasn't, I, to my knowledge, she wasn't like fined or obviously she was not jailed or anything like that. Mm. Even though I feel like she did. She should be were, actually. Yeah. yeah that, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's over for her. And I'll be really curious to see like if if this product it, there's like a 2.0 um or she comes out with different things <laughs> hey guys um, sorry about <laughs> you know the 1.0 you know there are little, there are some, some glitches there, there and some glitches but i'm back yeah the next one is blue yeah. or something oh like boy it's, yeah <laughs> yeah she might come out with a sauce every color of the rainbow we we don't know we don't know. Wow. Well, yeah, she's definitely like gained notoriety from this incident, I would mm-hmm. call it, you know, from her first launch. But um, you're right. I think um, public memory is um, very, very weak, actually. Mm-hmm. So we forget things so quickly. You're, you're right. You know, so yeah, like, I think this might be just the beginning for her, actually, not the end. <laughs> But again, the intention matters and the intent. Was this, you know, um, legitimately, I think it was, yeah, it legitimately seems like it was just out of ignorance, but I hope she's learned, you know, important lessons from it. Yes. um, Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, just like, wow, disastrous. (laughs) Well, in a lot safer food news, um, I'm just going to talk about some of the fastest growing beverage companies in 2022. Um, I don't cover beverages as often as I would like to, so I made a list um, from what I could find of some very popular and fast growing beverage companies. So, you know, whether it's coffee, tea, soda, beer, or water, consumers have been finding ways to quench their thirst for centuries, which makes the beverage industry both timeless and recession proof. And the reliability of the industry, as well as the constant demand, has helped create some of the world's most valuable and fastest growing beverage companies. And of course, it's a forever evolving category, so most beverage companies focus on ways to differentiate themselves from the competition. And several ways to do that um, include innovation, demand planning, and sometimes mergers and acquisitions. So in this post-pandemic world, the fastest growing beverage companies must also keep up with new trends that formed over the last few years. The beverage industry comprises of both small startup businesses and large companies and employs countless people, um, including those on the front and back ends. And including the alcoholic beverage space, the U.S. beverage industry is valued at $146 billion and the global market is valued at $1.5 trillion as of 2019. So here are some of the fastest growing beverage companies in 2022, and a few of them will not surprise you at all, and then some others you you may not have heard of before. So the first one is PepsiCo, 
When analyzed by net revenue, PepsiCo is the largest food and beverage company in North America and the third largest beverage firm globally. So it was founded in 1965. PepsiCo generates roughly $66.415 billion in revenue annually, earning in the title of the fastest growing beverage company. So this is partly attributed to its diversification into food and snacks. In addition to its ownership of beverage brands like Pepsi, Mountain Dew, and Gatorade, it also owns Frito-Lay snack brands and Quaker Foods. So the snack foods have actually outperformed sodas in recent years, giving Pepsi an advantage over pure play soda companies like Coke. Quaker has given the company additional exposure to the supermarket channel, which has thrived during the pandemic. And number two is PepsiCo's chief rival, Coca-Cola, and it's, much, it's known for much more than its namesake soda. So current statistics show that within the U.S., Coca-Cola Zero is the fastest growing soft drink, increasing 11.5% in retail value and 8% in volume in 2019. And Coca-Cola owns a wide range of brands, including Minute Maid, Powerade, and a stake in Monster Beverage, which is actually number three on the list. Recently, Coca-Cola stepped up its efforts to diversify, and it acquired Costa Coffee for $5 billion in 2019, as well as a slew of other acquisitions since then. But the company has struggled during the pandemic as restaurant sales lagged, but its distribution network and marketing prowess is certainly unmatched. And third, like I mentioned, is Monster Beverage. So it has been one of the fastest growing beverage companies on the market since its initial public offering or IPO in 1992 and has been up more than 200,000% since then. The company was rated among the leading beverage companies worldwide in 2020, generating net sales amounting to about $4.6 billion. It was also ranked 11th on Forbes World's Most Innovative Companies list in 2018. And of course, the brand's focus lies on energy drinks. One of its signature brands, Monster Energy, generated sales of about $3.24 billion in 2021 and was ranked as the second leading U.S. energy drink brand, followed only by Red Bull. And based on U.S. dollar sales, the Monster Energy brand has a market share of 23.2% in 2021. And now we're getting into the two companies that I hadn't really heard of before. Um, So number four is Celsius Holdings. While its name may not be as familiar as Monster Beverage, Celsius Holdings is the latest energy drink maker to capture investor attention. So it was founded in April 2004, and the brand became known for its sparkling and non-carbonated beverages, which contain no preservatives, no aspartame, no high-fructose corn syrup, is non-GMO, and has no added sodium. And on the financial side, the company's sales jumped over a thousand percent last year on the uh, on the back of breakout growth. Unlike other fastest growing beverage companies, Celsius Holdings growth seemed to have been actually aided by the pandemic since it found success in the direct to consumer channel. Through the first three quarters of 2020, revenue for the company jumped 86 percent to 51 million. And then closing out the list is Boston Beer Company. So it would, you know, this list would be incomplete without a alcoholic beverage maker. So Boston Beer Company has been around since 1984, and it's the parent company to Sam Adams, Dogfish Head, Truly Hard Seltzer, Twisted Tea, Angry Orchard, Hard Cider, and several other alcoholic beverage brands. Boston Beer Company's sales have grown in recent years, thanks in part to the success of the Truly Hard Seltzer brand, which holds the second largest market share of 26% in the very fast-growing alcohol category. Strength in the Truly Hard Seltzer and Twisted Tea brands have helped drive revenue up 39% to $1.9 
sorry, to 1.7 billion in 2020. So yeah, that is the list of the fastest growing beverage companies in the world. Of course, you know, it's not surprising to see Pepsi and Coca-Cola always on this list since they are absolutely dominant in this space. But then we have other ones like Celsius Holdings and Beer, Boston Beer Company that, you know, we don't hear about as much on a daily basis. But, um, you know, the beverage industry would also be incomplete if we didn't talk about um, startups. So um, where do you see startups, you know, how do you see them contributing uh, in the in the beverage company? And do you think that they'll ever truly achieve success, you know, if they're not acquired by a larger company like Coke or Pepsi? That's a good question. I mean, yeah, you have these these giants who are, you know, dominating the beverage space. But you know what? Like you have talked actually a lot about new beverage startups, Um uh, on the food podcast and in all of the articles that you write. So, and I think we've even had like a couple of guests from, you know, uh, startups. And I think, um, there definitely is a space for them. Um, I don't know if they can directly obviously compete with the big guns and hopefully, you know, they don't all get bought out because that's kind of sad. I feel, you know, um, the whole point of having a, a startup is having that grassroots level sort of, um, um, you know, vibe and then that real connection with consumers, not to say that the big companies have not developed a, you know, very strong connection with their consumer base. But um, and then I think really the startups um, is where the innovation really is happening. And then you kind of see, you know, the big the big companies wanting to get in on that. And so instead of developing their own pipelines, you know, and innovating for themselves, they just go out and buy these, buy, buy out the startups. So there's definitely, um, you know, a unique space and niche for startups. And I think that's, again, where the innovation is really happening. You see different types of beverages, um, energy drinks, or, um, you know, just so many, like you've talked about on this podcast. And it's just like, oh, wow, like never thought of that kind of a beverage or that kind of a thing. So yeah, we need the startups. We need them for the innovation. We need them for the grassroots level <clears throat> connection that they're able to foster with consumers. And um, I think it's a growing trend, actually. And I think the big companies are feeling um, sort of the brunt or feeling, you know, the competition almost from, from them. Yeah. Great point. I think a lot of people may assume that, you know, there's, there's not as much innovation to be had in, in the beverage industry, but that's, that's totally not no. true. Um, there's just as much, um, in, in beverage as there is in food. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think startups face like quite a challenge when deciding, you know, if they're approached by a, national mm -hmm. you know international conglomerate who's offering them an, a contract that they couldn't even fathom yeah. do they want to take that and do they want to take the marketing and the distribution that comes with it or do they want to you know keep it within the the family or or you know mm -hmm. the, the small business um and i really couldn't fault them for for either of course there's there's disadvantages and advantages to 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 doing both ways but i completely agree with you startups are extremely valued in the beverage industry and i feel like also they're they're really emerging in the alcoholic beverage space particularly mm -hmm. we've seen so many um you know new types of like i was looking up like 
high protein beer and mm, and, yeah. and things like that. <laughs> just things I had never thought I would hear right. of in my lifetime or like, you know, functional alcoholic Fun. beverages mm, whose other, yeah. you know, the function isn't just to get you drunk. Like, <laughs> like <they're, laughs> so yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, uh, but again, totally not surprised by this list. Can't have a list yeah. like this without Pepsi and Coke. And I don't I see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, same. And I, I didn't realize Pepsi's not that that old for some reason. No, reason. I know. Like, I was surprised by that as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. Only a couple of decades. Yeah. And it's, um, wow. And uh, I want, and also what was interesting to me is that um, Coke's, um, wait, Coke, Coke Zero Sugar is the fastest growing soft drink. Mm-hmm. Does Pepsi have anything to rival Coke's uh, Coke Zero? Sure. Obviously, there's Diet Pepsi, but there's also yeah, Diet yeah. Coke as well. But what, you know, I think what differentiates them is that Coke Zero um, has, you think it's zero sugar, zero um, calories? It's, I'm not uh, sure. It's, it's, it claims to be like the, the healthier option, even though it's yep. like filled with aspartame, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really good question. I'm not sure if there's like a it's Pepsi sugar free. Zero. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Coke, Coke Zero is sugar free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And zero calorie. You're right. Mm-hmm. So it's both. Oh, wow. Okay. So mm-hmm. basically, water at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Colored water. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, I'm not sure about that. I, uh, I've i never come across or heard of like a Pepsi Zero. Neither um, have I. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. I'll admit I'm not a big like soda drinker myself. If I'm going mm. to drink soda, it's going to be the full calorie, full sugar version. Yeah. Uh, same. <laughs> Same. But but people seem to have a huge affinity for Coke Zero. They really um, do. Yeah. yeah. Whether they like the taste better than normal Coke or they just think it's healthier. I'm I'm truly not surprised that it's, it's the fastest growing uh, soda. Mm-hmm. Not surprised at all either. Um, and you're right. Like Coke Zero has caught on like crazy. Like I see so many people um, drinking it because they... They actually like the taste. And yeah, I think, you know, obviously the health factor as well. So um, I think that's the primary driving point, though. Um, You know, the no sugar and especially um, with a lot of people watching their sugar intake, it's like a perfect drink um, for people. So yeah, and I'm surprised that Pepsi doesn't have a rival to it, but it's pretty interesting. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.